Hello, my friends. I have an interesting list for you today, 30 ways, 30 examples of how Trudeau is making us less free and more censored. I actually have 31 examples. That's a lot. But I end with one way to fix it, one way to fight back. So I hope you enjoyed today's show. By the way, if you want to see the video version, and we have some video clips today I'd like you to see, please go to rebelnewsplus.com. Click subscribe. It's eight bucks a month, and you get the video version of all these podcasts. I hope you like it. All right, here's today's show. Tonight, 30 ways Canada censors its citizens and one way to fight back. It's October 3rd, and this is the Ezra Levant Show. Shame on you, you censorious bug. On Friday, the Canadian government announced that it is now requiring YouTubers, podcasters, live streamers to register with the government. Huh. 99% of Canada's mainstream media just shrugged. They already work for the government in a way because they're either working directly for the government with the CBC or they're on government subsidies. But other countries' journalists were shocked. But then I saw my friend Billboard Chris and his comment he said this on Twitter, if we don't have freedom of speech in Canada, why am I not in prison? Why am I free to say whatever I want, whenever I want, wherever I want, in defiance of what our government wants? Hmm. Now, I like Chris a lot. I hope he's not tempting fate with that tweet. Uh, here's what Chris is famous for and why he has the nickname Billboard Chris. There are two sexes. There are zero genders and there are infinite personalities. Okay. That sums up everybody. Sure. This whole concept of gender identity didn't even exist until the 60s, and it should be abolished entirely. Because all it is oh, is no. personality, and all it is, the entirety of gender ideology is based on stereotypes. If a girl is more masculine, maybe she's trans. Nonsense. There's no right way to be a girl uh, or a boy. Tomboys are not actual all boys. All trans people are saying is there's no one way to do to be one or the other or if you don't identify as other that's cool too also like gender as we know it is a, is a modern invention like mm -hmm. other cultures before being colonized have their own understanding of gender also there are people who are neither man or woman you know no Some it's cultures not have their own term that's not true for it is true look at different indigenous tribes here not true okay you can look it up. Just how I looked up. I've looked it all up. Talking. I've look had 20,000 of these conversations. Okay. Well, yeah, so I'm glad you brought that up because historically, gender dysphoria, which is this condition where they don't feel comfortable with their sex. Yes. It's essentially self-loathing is what it is. Historically, this affected mostly boys. Most of them grew out of it when they went through puberty, more than 80%. Okay. But a majority actually grew up to be gay. Okay. Which makes a bit of sense when you think about it. Yeah, I know. Effeminate I, I, little yeah, boys. Totally, yes, right? yes, yes. So this whole movement today, these little kids who would grow up to be gay are now coming to believe, oh, I must be trans because I'm a really effeminate yeah, little boy. Trans kids matter! Trans kids matter! Trans kids matter! Trans kids matter! 
Chris is actually really polite, and he's very careful with his choice of words. He also does a lot of his work in the United States, where they have the First Amendment. But is he right about the law here in Canada? Is he really free? Well, so far, I guess. But I've been in the free speech trenches for a while now, ever since I published the Danish cartoons of Mohammed back in 2006. And I was prosecuted for three years by the Alberta Human Rights Commission. And I'm sorry to say what Chris does would absolutely be illegal in more and more places in the country. For example, if he had those billboards within 100 meters of a drag queen story hour in Calgary, he'd be arrested, even if he didn't say a word. I know this because Pastor Derek Reimer was arrested and charged by police for doing just that. So I thought maybe I should recap the censorship that's going on in Canada today, not just for Chris, but for everyone to know, and even for people outside Canada to know. Some of these examples I'm going to give you are bigger than others. Some are more subtle, some are more serious, but they are all real. And the trend is getting worse. Here are 30 ways that Canadians are censored. But don't lose hope, because at the end of the 30 item list, I'm going to tell you one way to fight back. All right, let's get to it. I got 30 to go through. First example, the CRTC registration of podcasters. That was the news on Friday. Canada now joins North Korea, China, and Iran in requiring podcasting companies to register with the government. It's like communist Romania when you had to register your typewriter with the police. After all, it was a dangerous weapon. Second example, police allow Antifa to attack conservatives on the street. Chris himself was assaulted on the streets, and police routinely refused to arrest the perpetrators. You suck. Fuck you. Fuck you. You're not wanted. Fuck you. You're, you're a fucking idiot. You're a fucking idiot. I don't know idiot. what to say. Fuck I guess you. these police officers are mostly indoctrinated as well. Here they're afraid of the mob. Because you're a fucking I think, idiot. I think they're afraid you. that fuck if they you. do anything to fuck actually you. keep fuck law and order, you. that you. they'll end up you. being fuck on the you. end of this verbal fuck abuse. You. So it's just fuck cowardice you. from everybody all around. People probably want to know, how do you keep your composure? Fuck you! What's up? Fuck you. How do you keep your Fuck composure? You. Fuck you! 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 This happens all the time. Police are instructed not to arrest Antifa or other left-wing protesters when they're attacking conservatives. In a, in a way, it's left-wing politicians delegating, contracting out their, their censorship to their left-wing street gangs. Here's Antifa attacking our reporter Alexa Lavoie about 10 days ago while police did nothing but look. It's a form of censorship, isn't it? Example three, government venues like city-owned convention centers ban or cancel events that politicians don't like. 
Here's an example. It routinely happens to peaceful activists like Megan Murphy, a feminist who wants to talk about women's rights in the age of transgenderism. She's being banned from government facilities. Example four. Billboard Chris is polite and very media savvy, but others who are a bit less eloquent end up prosecuted for years, even decades, and some are even jailed. Seven years ago, Bill Whatcott peacefully joined a gay pride parade in a costume and handed out pamphlets criticizing gay sex. He was arrested and charged with a crime and has been being in court ever since. Here's another example. Eric Brazo peacefully did the same thing, but about radical Islam. Same thing, pamphlets. He was sentenced to nine months in prison. Example five. I mentioned human rights commissions. That's one of the many censorship weapons. Here's what it looked like to be interrogated. This is me during a three-year investigation and prosecution for when I published those harmless Danish cartoons back in 2006. Here's my interrogation in 2008. Remember this? My name is Ezra Levant. Before this government interrogation begins, I will make a statement. When the Western Standard magazine printed the Danish cartoons of Mohammed two years ago, I was the publisher. It was the proudest moment of my public life. I would do it again today. In fact, I did do it again today. Though the Western Standard, sadly, no longer publishes a print edition, I posted the cartoons this morning on my website, EzraLevant.com. I'm here at this interrogation under protest. It is my position that the government has no legal or moral authority to interrogate me or anyone else for publishing these words and pictures. That is a violation of my ancient and inalienable freedoms, freedom of speech, freedom of the press, and in this case, religious freedom and the separation of mosque and state. It is especially perverted that a bureaucracy calling itself the Alberta Human Rights Commission would be the government agency violating my human rights. So I will now call those bureaucrats the Commission, or the HRC, since to call the Commission a Human Rights Commission is to destroy the meaning of those words. Boy, it's been a long time, eh? The battle's actually a lot worse now. Example six. One of the reasons my friend Chris hasn't been canceled is that he literally stands on the street. If he tried to book a venue, even if he managed to get a private venue where he knew the owner, a mob threatening violence would force the venue to cancel. I know because it happened to me when I had a book launch at two Alberta theaters for my best-selling book called uh, The Lebranos. It was about Justin Trudeau. It was a mob, including, for example, a disgraceful professor at the University of Alberta. This mob threatened the theater owner until he caved in and banned the book launch. Example seven. By the way, there were 23 other books written about Justin Trudeau at the same time as my book, The Lebranos, but mine was obviously the most critical. And so for four years now, I have been investigated and prosecuted by Elections Canada, a government agency. They have fined me thousands of dollars. Here's one of their senior police telling me that I had to register my book with the government. The knowledge that you would have or not have of the, of the election act, Canada Elections Act, when you are planning the book and you the the, the new third party rules because i believe there's some comments on your stuff as well about that did you give any consideration of saying maybe i should register as a third party for this circumstance or maybe i shouldn't 
um, because of my interpretation of what I'm going to do, or did you um, not make that determination? Tim, I appreciate the question. Yeah, I absolutely did think about that at great length. Do you want to share any of those thoughts? Well, sure, some of them. I mean, I thought the day I register with the government to write a book is the day we no longer are the true north strong and free. And if Elections Canada's commissioners are stupid enough to prosecute me for writing, publishing, and promoting a book about an election during an election, then that's an important fight to have because we need to roll back these pencil-neck bureaucrats and their blackface boss and we need to remind them that we're still a free country. Boy, they hate that book. Example number eight. So the government prosecuted me for the book. A mob terrorized a theater owner into canceling my book launch and the country's largest book chain, Chapters Indigo, refuses to stock my book. They never carry conservative books, and if they do, staff routinely hide them. Try to find Tamara Leach's best-selling book about the convoy, or Andrew Lawton's, a government-created book monopoly censors conservative books. That's censorship. Example nine. Oh, well, just sell your books on Amazon, right? Okay, good idea. Until they ban you. We published a best-selling book called China Virus, critical of Trudeau and his connections to China during the pandemic, and Amazon banned it. Then they unbanned it for a couple of days, and then they re-banned it. We asked why, and all they would tell us is that officials told them to ban it. Chinese officials or Canadian officials? And which answer would be worse? Example 10, Rebel News and other independent media are banned from attending the federal government's press conferences in Parliament. Even worse, this is enforced by our subsidized media competitors at the Parliamentary Press Gallery, every one of whom takes money from Justin Trudeau. We are literally banned because of our viewpoint. Example 11, we haven't just been banned by the government in Canada, we've been banned by the Canadian government of the United Nations. We used to be accredited there until a Trudeau cabinet minister told them to refuse us. That's censorship. Example 12, twice now, Rebel News was personally, our company was specifically banned from covering the national election debates organized by the government. Twice we had to go to the federal court and have them struck down and ordered to accredit us. Why do we have to go to court to even attend a public debate? Example 13, rebel journalists have been physically beaten, shoved, and even shot by police, including by Justin Trudeau's personal bodyguards. Look at Trudeau's bodyguards here jumping out of his SUV and beating up David Menzies, who is simply standing with a microphone to ask him a question. What are you doing? Get, are you doing? get off me. Hey, I can. Hey, this is assault. Move. I'm on a side. I'm on a sidewalk. I am on a side. What is this? You cannot touch me. No rushing or working. Hey. Are you kidding? Are you kidding? I told you. What is this?
You can't. Am I under arrest? Am I under arrest? Absolutely atrocious and silence from the media party. Example 14. Calgary police have demanded the right to seize footage, including photographs, video recordings, and audio recordings. They demand to know what we're working on. Example 15, Bill C-11. Look at section 9.11E. It gives Trudeau the power to alter the discoverability algorithm for Facebook, YouTube, and Google. He can push down sites he doesn't like and push up sites he does. Example 16, Trudeau has introduced a journalism license called the QCJO, Qualified Canadian Journalism Organization. You have to apply to the government and they decide whether or not they can trust your journalism before giving you this license. Rebel News is, has been refused this license. Bizarrely, the government claims that less than 1% of what we do is journalism. We're going to court, but that's part of the point, isn't it? The process is, is the punishment. Just to do our job, we have to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars and hundreds of hours in court. Example 17, another Trudeau bill called C-18. The idea behind this bill is simple and crass. Trudeau is going to charge Facebook and Google money for every time they link to a news source. They'll collect that money, and Trudeau will apportion it only to trusted media. That's Trudeau's word. Example 18. Government pressure on social media companies. We've learned from Twitter and the Twitter files that the Canadian government, through their state broadcaster, threatened to sue Twitter if Twitter didn't silence the government's opponents. Obviously, they're talking about us, too. Example 19. The Canadian government actually spies on us. They hired a contractor at the University of Arkansas at Little Rock to do a information operation workup on Rebel News, treating us as if we're a foreign enemy. Example 20. The state media, Trudeau's CBC state broadcaster, has a permanent campaign to denormalize us. That's not journalism. That's them running an errand for Trudeau to further censor us. Example 21, being blocked on Twitter by cabinet ministers. I'm not talking about their personal Twitter accounts. I'm talking about government department accounts. Rebel News journalists are blocked from accessing information on Twitter that every other citizen has access to. It's a way of saying if you disagree with the government, you will be cut off from normal goods and services that you are due as a citizen. Example 22. In Canada, no industry is more highly regulated than the big banks. They're practically public utilities. And so it's no surprise that the Royal Bank, a bank with whom I have banked for decades, refused to give Rebel News a mortgage. It's not quite true. We were actually approved for a mortgage. The mortgage officer said we had a great mortgage application, but when the national office got wind of us, they canceled us for political reasons. Here's the local mortgage broker telling me that on the phone. Yeah, it's just about the nature of the business altogether because uh, uh, the bank has been, uh, I'll be blunt with you, the bank has been, you know, trying to pry away from certain, you know, uh, clients where they're kind of out there in the media and uh, 
very strong opinionated, you know, uh, which is your business in a way. So we're just uh, clearing some internal hurdles to make sure that uh, the bank is okay to that, uh, kind of uh, onboard you as a client internally. Example 23, this goes to what I was saying about Billboard Chris before. Billboard Chris is a good egg, but I wouldn't want him to wear his billboard within 100 meters of a drag queen story hour or he'd be arrested and charged like Pastor Derek Reimer. Next example, also from Alberta, Arthur Pavlovsky. He gave a sermon down at the Coots blockade. It was an 18-minute speech. He went down there, gave them a pep talk, and said, hold the line, but be peaceful. Arthur Pavlovsky was charged with inciting mischief, convicted, and given a 60-day sentence. Example 25. Church closures during the lockdown. It's related. When you're not allowed to gather to pray, that is a form of censorship. Costco, cannabis stores, liquor stores, Walmart, they weren't forced to close during the lockdown, but churches were. Example 26, compelled speech. The same Arthur Pavlovsky I mentioned a moment ago was actually ordered by a rogue judge that whenever he criticized lockdowns, he was required to immediately thereafter read a little message handwritten by that judge, basically renouncing and denouncing himself. A Christian pastor in church, on Facebook, or in media interviews, whenever he criticized the government, had to immediately add a disclaimer that he was wrong. Wrong. Example 27. Trudeau has effectively exiled Facebook and Google from the news business. I mentioned before C18 that would compel those companies to pay for linking to news sources. Obviously, they won't do that, but that has cut off an enormous amount of news to Canadian consumers, leaving the dominant player as the CBC. When Spain tried something similar to Google years ago, Google stopped sharing news, and the big players got more news, and independent startups got cut off. That's Trudeau's plan for Canada. Example 28. Just this past week, the town of Waterloo passed a bylaw saying you're not allowed to have any hateful words, no harassing words that make you feel bad. And that's against the law in Waterloo now, the government saying you're not allowed to make people feel bad. Example number 29, just this last week, a $300 ticket for someone on public transit talking about support for the Million March for Kids, the Parents' Rights, Children's Rights March against transgender extremism in the school. Simply talking about this idea on the public transit yieldeth a $300 fine. Example 30, and the biggest example of all, Trudeau invoking a form of martial law called the Emergencies Act after a week of peaceful protest by the truckers and this insane Trudeau cabinet minister claiming that honk honk was actually code for Heil Hitler. Get a load of this kook. How much vitriol do we have to see of honk honk, which is an acronym for Hail Hitler, do we need to see by these protesters on social media? 
Yeah, it would be funny if she didn't declare martial law, seize hundreds of bank accounts of peaceful protesters, and throw Tamara Leach, the leader of the protest, in prison for 49 days. Those are 30 examples. I'll give you a 31st as a bonus. Doctors in Canada who dared to speak out against the lockdowns or even the vaccine mandates were suspended and investigated by their colleges of physicians and surgeons. There you have it, 31 examples, some big, some small, some shocking and some subtle, some I'm sure you've never heard before, 30 ways that Canada is less free when it comes to freedom of speech. How do you feel right now? A little depressed? Well, you should feel upset, you should feel worried, but don't give up hope. Because there were some victories in that list, weren't there? For example, I mentioned that twice Rebel News was banned from covering the federal election debates, but twice we ran to the federal court on an emergency basis, and twice the Federal Court of Canada agreed with us that Trudeau was violating our constitutional rights. And twice, the court ordered Trudeau to stop discriminating against us, to allow us to report on the debates, and even to pay us thousands of dollars in legal fees. My point is, don't give up hope. That's what they want you to do. Don't give up your freedoms. Fight back. I said I was going to give you 30 examples of Canadian censorship, and I did. I gave you 31. But I also said I'd give you one way to fight back. And here it is. Go to our website, stopthecensorship.ca. You can do a few things there. First of all, you can learn about all the censorship in Canada. Second of all, you can sign our petition against censorship. And I know Trudeau will ignore it. But let him see that there are hundreds of thousands of Canadians against him. Chip in to our various lawsuits where we fight back. Read about those lawsuits. Right now, if I count correctly, we have seven lawsuits that we have filed against the government to expand our freedoms, and we'll have another one as soon as tomorrow. Ongoing litigation with the government including is, includes my battle against Elections Canada. They're trying to criminalize my book, The Lebranos. That was in court just two weeks ago. If we lose, God forbid, we'll appeal. The Twitter ban by Stephen Gilbo. Our QCJO journalism license being refused by the government. We're appealing that. Physical attacks on our journalists. We're suing Trudeau's bodyguards. Did you know that? We're suing the RCMP, who during the martial law period shot our reporter, Alexa Lavoie. You can learn about these fightbacks at stopthecensorship.ca. And just yesterday, I reached out to a law firm to see if there was some way to fight against Justin Trudeau's new compulsion that all live streamers and podcasters have to register with the government. There you have it, the state of Canadian freedom in 2023. I've got a question for you. Why doesn't the mainstream media care? There's a lot of answers to that. One is they're on Trudeau's payroll, so they don't have to care, and maybe they never meant it anyways. Maybe the only freedom they cared about was their own. But here at Rebel News, we don't take a dime from any government, certainly not from Justin Trudeau. We survive only because of our viewers. That's how we do our journalism, through crowdfunding. But it's not enough just to tell the story. Every once in a while, we have to stop and get involved and fight back. Because if we don't, 
who will. And if not now, then when? Go to stopthecensorship.ca, read about what's going on in the country, read about what we're doing, sign our petition, and if you can, help chip in to cover our enormous legal fees. No one else is out there fighting for freedom, not in the courts at least. We need your help. Thanks. You know, there's certain things out there that if you agree with them, they're not a conspiracy theory. But if you disagree with them, they say you're talking about a conspiracy theory. An obvious example of that is The Great Reset. It's actually a book by Klaus Schwab. If you agree with The Great Reset, then no problems. Here, join the team. We're going to talk about how to implement it. If you disagree with The Great Reset, then you're some fringe conspiracy theorist. It's funny how that works out. Um, let me show show you, uh, by the way, the man who co-authored The Great Reset. Here's Klaus Schwab bragging about penetrating the cabinets in governments around the world. Take a look at this. This um, notion to integrate young leaders is part of the World Economic Forum since many years. When I mention our names like Mrs. Merkel, um, even uh, Vladimir Putin and so on, they all have been young global leaders of the World Economic Forum. Mm -hmm. But um, what we are very proud of now is the young generation like uh, Prime Minister Trudeau, um, President of, Pres of uh, Argentina and so on, that we penetrate the cabinets. So yesterday I was a at a reception for Prime Minister Trudeau and I know that half of this cabinet or even more half of, uh, half of this cabinet are for our actually young global leaders of the world economic form. And that's true in Argentina too. Wow. Yeah. Well, who is this madman, Klaus Schwab? Some might say, oh, he's just boasting. He's just bragging. He's talking himself up. He doesn't really penetrate the cabinets. Well, actually, Fraulein uh, Christian Freeland, whose grandfather we now know was a Nazi who came to Canada after the war. Fraulein Freeland is actually on the board of trustees of the World Economic Forum. So maybe Klaus Schwab isn't just talking through his hat. And Leslin Lewis, a conservative MP, one of our favorites, filed an order paper question with the government asking a simple question. Hey, how much money has Canada, or rather taxpayers of Canada, forced to by Justin Trudeau, how much money has Canada given to the World Economic Forum that Christian Freeland just happens to sit on as a director? I don't know how that's even legally or ethically possible, by the way. How could a cabinet minister stay on as a director of a private company? I don't even know how this is allowed. But the answer is $22 million. Joining us now to talk about this revelation is our friend Mark Morano, the boss of ClimateDepot.com. Mark, the World Economic Forum has got a lot of notoriety in recent years, and the left, especially in Canada, the CBC, has tried to say, oh, they're just good guys who talk policy, and there's nothing to be scared of. There's no secrets there. I don't think that's quite true, is it? 
I think they're, they're more than a talk shop. They actually are sort of a, a laboratory for bad ideas that are then piped right into both governments and corporate America, like through, uh, you know, massive investors like BlackRock. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, the genius, if you will, of the World Economic Forum started in 1971 by Klaus Schwab uh, is very simple. He, first of all, came up with stakeholder capitalism, which means you evaluate a company not on whether its profit margin is good, return to investments, any product it it is uh, it produces, but on how basically it it, it it adheres to the woke progressive standards on critical race, climate, energy, and transgender. And so what he's done in order to achieve this by bypassing democracy is he has given a haven for the royal family, for prime ministers, bureaucrats, uh, parliamentarians, senators, congressmen, and the corporate world, billionaires and millionaires as well, to meet off the books multiple times a year, chiefly one time and sometimes two or three times in Davos, where they literally get together off the books and have the, the most extensive conversations and plan a corporate government collusion to which you no longer need to have the Canadian parliament vote mm -hmm. to ban gas-powered cars, the U.S. Congress vote to ban it or to go after meat eating. It's all done behind the scenes because of things like the World Economic Forum, which is probably the most influential and successful. And that's a great business model because these, these corporations and billionaires and lobbyists can meet with these politicians like Justin Trudeau, like Catherine McKenna, like, uh, you know, like Joe Biden, anyone else off the books. There's no lobbying rules and regulations. There's no oversight. There's no committees. There's no regulations attributed because these are just private parties at meetings of the World Economic Forum. That's how he's gotten so successful. And when he says he penetrates the cabinets, mm -hmm. he truly does. And you can look mm -hmm. at what happened in the Netherlands. Prime Minister Mark Rudd is a, a disciple of their young leadership program, and he is literally implementing the great food reset in the Netherlands as he tries to shut down uh, agriculture in that country. You know, he penetrates the cabinets for a few reasons. One is he just has this God complex and he wants to yes. run the world without the bother of seeking election anywhere. But he also penetrates the cabinets for the benefit of his members who pay yeah. hundreds of thousands, sometimes millions of dollars to be on the inside. And here's what I mean by that. And I saw this when I was over there, when our little rebel team was there. We saw the masters of the universe, the VVIPs, the very, yeah. very important people, just wandering around, like literally without bodyguards. We bumped into John Kerry. Tony Blair, Brian Kemp, the governor of uh, Georgia, Albert Bourla of Pfizer. Yes. Uh, you just bump into these masters of the universe. It's like a kid in a candy shop if you're a news watcher. And by the way, most of these people you wouldn't even recognize because they're sort of the power behind the throne. I would recognize Larry Fink, the boss of BlackRock, but I don't think most people would because he's not an elected person. He's just a master of the universe yeah. with trillions of dollars. Here's my point. Larry Fink has a God complex. He wants to craft the world in his image, but he loves the fact that he can meet in secret with politicians and not have to disclose that. Oh, we were just all at the yeah. World Economic Forum together. We were at a party, yeah. And so the lobbying yeah. that goes on, the deals, it's secret because what happens in Davos stays in Davos. It is an underminer of our democracy. No wonder Christian Freeland loves it.
Yes, imagine if uh, BlackRock or Vanguard wanted to meet with a Joe Biden, with U.S. senators, with congressmen. They would have to go to Capitol Hill, fill out all kinds of forms. The congressman would be subject. They wouldn't even be able to take, in many cases, when you meet on Capitol Hill and having worked in the U.S. Senate, you can't even take food from a lobbyist. You have to get food that's publicly available. Basically, food you wouldn't want to eat is the only thing legal to eat in those circumstances. So imagine, again, the genius of the World Economic Forum is to bypass all of that, bring everyone together to have that. So it's, the perfect word is collusion of shared mm -hmm. interests, because that's what they're doing. They're colluding without having to do that. So what ends up happening is they make these contacts. The World Economic Forum can make anything happen. And then you have things like your Canadian government, your global Canada giving $22 million to the World Economic Forum, your environmental minister, former environmental minister, Catherine McKenna, paying for a study by the World Economic Forum to support the carbon tax, which they later introduced. And Justin Trudeau then cites the studies that they paid for. I yeah. mean, this is paid bought and paid for propaganda. You go out and you say, hey, the World Economic Forum, we want to be, we, we, they, you know, they trained us and funded us and helped us. We want to do what they want. So let's, let's ask them to give us their studies. And then you get their studies, you cite it, and then you impose it on the Canadian people, whatever ideas they have. Yeah. There's something rotten hair. And it's not in Denmark, it's in Davos. Yeah. You know, Pierre Polyev, uh, the conservative leader of Canada, says that he will uh, stop his ministers from going to Davos. Um, Danielle Smith, the premier of Alberta, has said it's the same. They have to do this. Pardon me? You have to. Yeah. They have to do that. They, they can't allow this. This has to be considered a lobbying trip. And the only way they should be allowed to go is massive paperwork, massive oversight. And of course, that would ruin Davos if that ever happened. That's right, because it's all about that clubbiness. And you mentioned that a lobbyist in the United States is not even allowed to buy a fancy lunch. It has to be under a certain dollar amount, if I'm not yes. mistaken. Basically, burger and fries, or it's, yeah, it's considered chips a bribe. And, chips and a sandwich is what it typically yeah. was in the Senate. And, yeah. and there's a wisdom there, like it, because you don't you don't want to take someone out to a thousand dollar dinner uh, yeah. because that that is too big of a favor to pay a public person. And let me tell you, in Davos, I'm sure you could find a hamburger if you wanted to, but it's fine <laughs> yeah. French dining. It's exclusive catering. Like they literally fly in to a private jet airport, and then they take a helicopter right into Davos. God forbid they have to drive a few country miles. It's so, there's such sloshing around of government money, private money, lobbyist money. It, it's, being there is an incredible feeling because I feel like I'm such a, an imposter and an intruder because, of course, we, when we went there, were not yeah. registered. And they they make it so hard to get there. They book every single hotel in the entire town. It's booked up. Try getting an Airbnb. Try going on Hotels.com. You will see the entire city is booked up. So when rebel journalists go, we have to stay a town or two away, take the train in every morning. That's not by accident. This really is like the Wolfschlager, the, like some <laughs> secret den of the supervillains high in the Alps. I'm not even kidding. That's what it is, Mark. And shame on the regime media for saying, oh, no, no, it's just it's just a good get together by good guys who care about the world. If if the whole superhero supervillain comic book were real, our regime media would be on the side of the supervillains, Mark. They pay better. They, have, they would. Uh, 
And what's significant, again, people think, you know, this isn't just, well, it's a private meeting, people. This is not a private meeting in the sense that public officials from every country on the earth, from presidents and prime ministers to, to, uh, to, to senators and congressmen, show up at these and they can be wined and dined, all sorts of deals, and they end up being beholden to this group. Yeah. And what ends up happening is it directly affects everyone. Right now, we're living in a world economic forum climate lockdown. When France bans two and a half hour flights, when the French public now is under this indoctrination is saying, you know, 60% of kids 18 to 24, I should say adults, 18 to 24 think you should only have a four flight per yeah, life uh, ban. And at the same time, they're the ones behind pushing this uh, car bans, ending the uh, you know gas powered car bans, which is creating vehicle rationing. They're the ones creating the collapse of our energy, electricity. So this is why this is important. And we need to make it toxic for politicians. And right now in the United States, we need to make it toxic for at least Republican politicians. Mm -hmm. I will give Donald Trump credit the only time I've ever seen a justified reason for going to these meetings was when Donald Trump showed up, I believe it was 2017, his first meeting, the first time as president at Davos, and he literally compared climate alarmism to the, to the uh, palm readers and tarot card readers on the boardwalk and called it medieval witchcraft. That's the way you handle a World Economic Forum meeting. You go and you rip it the hell apart, but that is few and far between. Most politicians go and get wine and dine. Here, let's see a quick clip of Donald Trump going into the lion's den. Here's Trump at Davos. America's newfound prosperity is undeniable, unprecedented, and unmatched anywhere in the world. America achieved this stunning turnaround not by making minor changes to a handful of policies, but by adopting a whole new approach centered entirely on the well-being of the American worker. Every decision we make on taxes, trade, regulation, energy, immigration, education, and more is focused on improving the lives of everyday Americans. We are determined to create the highest standard of living that anyone can imagine. And right now, that's what we're doing for our workers, the highest in the world. And we're determined to ensure that the working and middle class reap the largest gains, a nation's highest duty is to its own citizens. Honoring this truth is the only way to build faith and confidence in the market system. Only when governments put their own citizens first will people be fully invested in their national futures. In the United States, we are building an economy that works for everyone, restoring the bonds of love and loyalty that unite citizens and powers nations. Today, I hold up the American model as an example to the world of a working system of free enterprise that will produce the most benefits for the most people in the 21st century and beyond. A pro-worker, pro-citizen, pro-family agenda demonstrates how a nation can thrive when its communities, its companies, its government, and its people work together for the good of the whole nation. Today, I urge other nations to follow our example and liberate your citizens from the crushing weight of bureaucracy. With that, you have to run your own countries the way you want. Hey, yeah. I want to show you one clip. When I was in Davos last time, um, you know, it, it's, it's sort of a, 
contest or a game, you have to recognize these VIPs very quickly as they yes. walk by on the street. So Tony Blair, John Kerry, obviously very, very recognizable. Albert Bourla, we just caught him as he was sneaking by. And and it was very lucky that we did. But uh, I didn't know what Governor Kemp of Georgia looked like. Someone pointed him out to I me. And I, and I didn't really have a lot on him, I know he's part of a quarrel within the Republican Party, but I thought, okay, we got ourselves a Republican from the South, no less, at Davos. That seems a little odd. So I asked him some questions. I want to show you, Mark. I wasn't particularly rough. I didn't actually know him that well. I just knew one thing about him. Republican Governor Davos. So let me show you my questions to him, which he should have been able to slam dunk, but he was obviously extremely uncomfortable about being shown to be a Davos. Here, take a look at this. Governor, really quickly, what do you say to your critics who think go, this is a globalist uh, event? Okay, sir, we I'll go. walk I'll and talk. I apologize. How come you're blocking no, the not. governor from answering to his constituents? What would you say to your critics who think this is not the right place for me, America sir, First we're, Republican? We're trying to... I think my story is pretty clear. Governor, well, but, but here you are with a bunch of globalists. Alex Soros is here. Excuse, excuse Why are you coming to a Soros event? Just, I'm, I'm sure you have a good explanation. Sir, we're not doing interviews right now. If you'd like to do something, you can call our team at the office and be glad to try to. Well, we something. can walk and talk for a couple of minutes. Is this a rebuke to the America First wing of your party? There's a lot of censors here, a lot of big tech censors here. Do you, uh, do you criticize that? Have you talked to any of the globalists or censors and let them know your First Amendment point of view? Do you have a First Amendment point of view? Have you had any undisclosed meetings? I know that there are private bilateral meetings going on. Are there any that you've had that you haven't declared? Like I told you earlier, you can reach out to my office about my calendar. We're glad to share that with you. Well, why wouldn't you tell me right now since we're walking and talking? Well, it's a good time to do an interview. Have you met with Alex Soros? He's here. Do you agree with the energy transition plans of the World Economic Forum, Governor? They believe in getting off fossil fuels. Do you share that vision? They talk about an energy transition. Do you support that, sir? We're walking up to BlackRock's pavilion. Have you had any meetings with BlackRock? How come you're not talking to folks? Is that why you came here to sort of get away from the scrutiny of the American media? When you're in the legislature, there's all sorts of checks and balances on you. There's the opposition, there's the media, but here it's sort of a secret conclave, isn't it? Given the price of inflation, Meat, eggs, milk, things like that in Georgia. How does it feel going to a five-star luxury event in the Swiss Alps? Does it feel wrong for the times? This really is a luxury event. Don't you think that's sort of tone? It's the wrong tone for how it is in Georgia these days? 
Is there a reason you won't answer? I mean, you say you're walking somewhere. Excuse All right. Me, Good luck, Governor. I don't know why he didn't just say something like, I'm here to get investment for Georgia. This is where the money is. I'm trying to get jobs yeah. for Georgia. Like that actually, I'd say, okay, well, it's a bit odd. You need all these private meetings. But, may, but that would be an answer. And that would probably sell back home in Georgia. I don't care where I have to go. I will travel the world to get investment for my yeah. people. Okay, good. Why didn't he say that? Because maybe it wasn't true. Because maybe he was there yeah. for some other scheming. He wouldn't say who he met with. He wouldn't say what he was doing there. And he didn't have anything to say about censorship and First Amendment. I don't know. I just, I'm not saying I'm against people meeting. I'm, I'm for free association and all that. But when it's government, Government officials doing secret deals, that's a problem. Last word to you, Mark. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. Governor Kemp, I believe the best way to describe it, he's a tool of the establishment. Now, mm -hmm. he was very good on COVID, so I'm a little torn. I don't know much about him myself, but he was standing stall against COVID restrictions in the United States. Much, you know, actually in, right up there with DeSantis, but he wasn't high profile. As you say, he's not even recognizable. But I think what happens here is he was going to this meeting, A, probably for the junket, B, just to make connections. But he recognized when you asked him these questions that probably 30, 40% of his base back in Georgia is not going to accept the fact he's there. So he probably, didn't, he probably caught it with like a deer in the headlights there. Mm -hmm. He didn't know what to say. But I will say this, the only reason for any Republican office holder to go, and if I was a senator or governor, I probably would want to go if I, if I could get in. I would go to monitor and report back about how destructive and evil the organization is. And I would go there to condemn it and talk about how it, even if there's a great opportunity to make connections, the negative, the overall balance of this meeting is negative and here's their agenda and here's what they're doing to the world mm -hmm. by bypassing democracy. That's the only justified way. And that's why I mentioned Donald Trump was the only legitimate president, the only legitimate US office holder I saw take advantage of that. We had the same thing as I was in Egypt last year at the UN Climate Summit. A delegation of Republican congressmen came, the Republican Solutions Coalition. They believe climate's a problem and have no problem with what the UN's doing, but they're there to say, hey, we can't get off fossil fuels too fast. That's not a group of Republicans I respect. Yeah. Well, listen, Mark, great to catch up with you, and hopefully we'll see you either at the World Economic Forum or the Global Warming UN Conference. Um, They've been holding them in semi-free regimes lately. We wanted to go to Egypt at the World for the Global Warming Conference, but our we hired a lawyer in Cairo because we wanted to make sure we wouldn't get deported or jailed if we asked unscripted questions. And our lawyer in Cairo said, if you scrum politicians and embarrass them, and you're not registered as journalists when you come into the country with the UN, you will likely be arrested. That's what we were told. And I have no beef with Egypt in particular. I just wanted to send reporters to scrum uh, global warming delegates. But our lawyer said, unless you're going in the front door, they will arrest you. Because, of course, Canada has told the United Nations not yeah. to accredit us. So we canceled our trip to Egypt because the Cairo lawyer said, you're going to go to jail. What do you think of that? Well, I mean, that's just the state of the world. I will say this. Your interview at Davos with Albert Borla of Pfizer you should be winning awards for that. Sadly, I don't, I don't think it will happen because the media does, is, is, is probably scrubbed it from every platform they could. But that was one of the most impromptu, phenomenal interviews I had seen of a, of a very powerful 
uh, public figure. Well, you're very nice to say it. Let's close the interview. We'll play that video. It's about three and a half <laughs> minutes, and it really was our most viral video in eight and a half years that got more views than anything else we did. And I think it for a lot of people, even though we got no answers in it, I think it showed people that no one had ever scrummed Borla before. He does media every day, but it's all softballs. And, and the contempt he had for real questions from unscripted reporters was palpable. Yes. I think a lot of people, and the fact that we were a little bit aggressive, I think people liked that too, because they wanted to smack him because he had just such an easy ride. So we'll close the interview with that video. Mark, great to see you. Thanks very much. Thank you, Ezra. I appreciate it. Uh, all right. Mark's the boss of ClimateDepot.com. Let me leave you with that interview, interview I'm calling it, that Avi Yamini and I uh, had with Albert Burla on the streets of Davos. Take a look. Mr. Burla, can I ask you, when did you know that the vaccines didn't stop transmission? How long did you know that without saying it publicly? Thank you very much. I'm sorry. To that question. I mean, we, we now know that the vaccines didn't stop transmission, but why did you keep it secret? You said it was 100% effective, then 90%, then 80%, then 70%. But we now know that the vaccines do not trans stop transmission. Why did you keep that secret? Have a nice day. I won't have a nice day until I know the answer. Why did you keep it a secret that your vaccine did not stop transmission? Is it time to apologize to the world, sir, to give refunds back to the countries that poured all their money into your vaccine that doesn't work, your ineffective vaccine? Yeah, you have a little bit of red. Are you not ashamed of what you've done in the last couple of years? Do you have any apologies to the public, sir? Are you proud of it? You've made millions on the backs of people's entire livelihoods. How does that feel to walk the streets as a millionaire on the backs of the regular person at home in Australia, in England, in Canada? What do you think about on your yacht, sir? What do you think about on your private jet? Are you worried about product liability? Are you worried about myocarditis? What about the sudden deaths? What do you have to say about young men dropping dead of heart attacks every day? Why won't you answer these basic questions? No apology, sir. Do you, do you think you should be charged criminally for Albert, for some of the criminal behaviour you've obviously been a part of? How much money have you personally made off the vaccine? How many boosters do you think it'll take for you to be happy enough with your earnings? Nothing. Who did you meet with here in secret? Will you disclose who you met with? Who did you pay commissions to? In the past, Pfizer has paid $2.3 billion in fines for deceptive marketing. Have you engaged in that same conduct again? Are you under investigation like you were before for your deceptive marketing, sir? If any other product in the world doesn't work as promised, you get a refund. Should you not refund to countries that laid out billions for your ineffective vaccine. Are you used to only sympathetic media so you don't know how to answer any questions? Shame on you, sir. Shame on you.
welcome back. What do you think of my 30 examples or 31 examples of censorship in Canada? If you've been watching this show, I'm sure none of them came as a surprise to you, although those last two, the new Wellington ban on hurty, hurty words and the $300 fine in Calgary. But my other 30 examples or 29 examples, I think you've heard before, but I've never really put them in one list before. 30 examples of censorship. My friend Billboard Chris, and I hope he's never arrested, and I hope he's never troubled by the law, but I know for a scientific fact that if he were not on the streets, including American streets where he has the First Amendment, if he would try that on a Calgary transit uh, LRT, or if he would try that outside a Calgary library where they're having a drag queen story hour, if he would try that in Wellington, or if he would try to get onto Parliament Hill into the realm of the parliamentary press gallery, I know he wouldn't be able to. If he would have said or done some of those th things during lockdowns, I know he would have been jailed. I don't want any of those bad things to happen to him. But the fact is, Canada is losing its freedoms. If he would say the things he's saying, not in a street corner, but in a venue, he would be canceled in a flash. I know that from my own experience and Megan Murphy just this last week. I want everyone to be as free as my friend Chris thinks he is. That's our show for today. Until tomorrow, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, to you at home, good night. And keep fighting for freedom while you still can.